0: Hey, I am Jess and I'm obsessed with all things nutrition, science, and helping you navigate this information while maintaining a deep sense of peace and empowerment in your body. I'm a registered dietitian who started out with an eating disorder and then fell in love with learning about how God intricately designed our bodies to be resilient and so much more than superficially beautiful. I am now a mama who loves to be healthy, Not because of how it makes me look, but because of how it has transformed the energy I can give to my family, my friends, and you. On this show, we hit on real talk around the latest nutrition science and body image resiliency, all while balancing it between grit and grace. Think of this as your weekly audio coffee to encourage your empowered eating journey. This is the Fuel Her Awesome Podcast. Hey y'all, as many of you know, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and so I just knew I couldn't go through this month again and not talk about this. This is something that impacts so many women. And I have had the absolute honor of meeting a woman who, number one, is incredibly awesome. And she has, you guys know, I'm a sucker for stories of people who have overcome and turned their trial into service. And that's exactly what this woman has done. She's been through cancer herself and she's here rewriting the narrative for so many women. So today on the show, I have for you Allison Hendricks-Smith. She is a licensed mental health counselor and art therapist who completed her graduate work at Southwestern College right here in my home state, Santa Fe, New Mexico. She has been involved in nonprofit leadership positions for the past 17 years, but it wasn't until she experienced her own story that she actually shifted into building Her own nonprofit. She is here today to talk to us about Pink Warrior House and how she is building community within the breast cancer world and giving to those who are going through this battle. You are going to hear all about her foundation, Pink Warrior House, but first, we're going to hear her story and how she grew from this new unexpected diagnosis into the dedicated leader that she is today. If you guys feel at all the desire to help and support the amazing work Allison is doing, you can find information on how to contribute to her organization in the show notes below. And just know that Fuel Her Awesome is also contributing. We are actually donating 10% of all our sales this month to Pink Warrior House because I really believe in what this woman is doing and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. Well, hey, Allison, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you have tons going on, and you still <laughs> squeezed me in for an interview. So I just want to start by saying thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, Jess, I adore you, and I will always make time. And thank you for the opportunity to be on your
0: podcast. Oh, you're the best. Now, I, so the story of how we met is I actually met your sister camping, and mm-hmm. we were hanging out, and she was telling me, like, You've got to meet my sister. She was like, I, you're you just I feel like you need to meet my sister. And then I met you, and I have to say, like your energy, it is magnetic. Like I felt instantly when we first met that you have something to say, and I need to listen up. And then, as I learned about you and your story, I found this to be a hundred percent true. You are doing something really special for the community but it came through your own journey and your own struggles. So we're just going to dive right in. We're going to just dive into the deep stuff. Are you good with that? I'm totally good with that. Uh, Okay, so tell us about your journey over the last few years. Yes, so
1: um, I was lucky enough to become a mama a little bit later in life. Um, My son Atticus was born September 20th of 2015. And um, I struggled with breastfeeding. I had a hard time keeping my milk up. So I took every kind of supplement and hormone and mama's milk tea and lactation cookies and all the things you can take to keep your milk up. Mm -hmm. Um, During that time, it was about a year and a half that I kind of tried to power through. I developed mastitis, not once, not twice, but three times in my left breast. And, um, you know, I was young, I was in my 30s, so nobody thought anything of it, and they just kept prescribing antibiotics after antibiotics, after antibiotics, telling me I had clogged milk ducts. Um, and in hindsight, I, I start there because I realized that that's that's where my cancer journey began, but I just wasn't aware of it. Mm. So um, then fast forward, I turned 40 and uh, always was brought up to believe that preventative care was super important. And we were changing insurance companies, my birthdays in October, so, I waited until January. Um, We were on the list, waiting list for a primary care physician. So I literally just Googled mammogram Albuquerque Mm -hmm. RAA came up and I called them and I said, hi, I'm 40 and I feel like I should get a mammogram. And they said, do you have any concerns? And I said, no, you know, I have super lumpy, bumpy breasts because I've been breastfeeding for the last year and a half. But, um, you know, beyond that, nothing, nothing of great concern. And they said, wonderful, we'll come on in. So I went in for that first mammogram and, um, they said, you have super dense breasts and there's like an 85% likelihood that you'll be called back for additional imaging so we can get a good baseline. So
0: Mm -hmm. I said, okay.
1: And, um, they sure enough, a couple days later called me and said, we need to schedule you to come back in. And I said, okay, no worries. My husband said, you know, are you concerned? And I said, oh no, not at all. They told me this was likely to happen. So Mm -hmm. Um, I went back in the following, so I had my mammogram on a Thursday, I went back in the following Friday for additional imaging, and after the first 3D mammogram, they said, oh, we want to do an ultrasound, after that it was, we think we need to do a biopsy, and in fact, we'll squeeze you in today, Um, all things that are starting to kind of become Mm -hmm. red flags, right, Mm -hmm. so we did the biopsy that Friday afternoon, and they said I would hear within a week, and Monday morning, I got a call from REA. Um, and they said, you know, you need to come in for your results. And I said, gosh, you know, I just, uh, I don't really have a lot of coverage at work. I was running another nonprofit at the time. And, um, and I missed all day on Friday because I was in there doing scans. Do I really need to come in or is this something, you know, you can get me over the phone. And they said, no, you really need to come in. So <sighs> at that point I knew, and I called my husband and I said, we got to go. And it's, you know, probably not good news. And, um, sure enough, they said, yep, you definitely have cancer. Um, we, you know, sent it off. It looks like it's invasive ductal carcinoma, but we think it's really early stage. So that was kind of the, the buffer there. And I said, okay, well, that's really good. And um, my journey, like so many, I think the trajectory has been upward moving, but um, for those of us on this road, it's often two steps forward and one step back. So my very early stage, then it became that I had three tumors. One was over six centimeters. So that made it a little more serious. And then, um, so they started me on three different chemotherapies, which I did for six months. Uh, the first one was every three weeks for three months. That was two chemos. And then I went every week for three more months for another chemo. And, uh, about a month that took me from, so I was diagnosed in March. I had 30 days to put a team together and I had an incredible team. Mm -hmm. Um, our insurance gave me the opportunity to kind of pick and choose. And so, um, I was actually at three of our four cancer centers with this beautiful team of fierce female doctors who held me and cured me and did all, you know, all the things. Um, and so I was doing chemo from April to September of 18. And then in October, I had a great response to chemo. It actually shrunk, um, and basically eradicated all of the visible cancer. So that's what they call a complete diagnostic response. So when they went in to do MRIs and ultrasounds and CAT scans, there wasn't any visible imaging of the cancer left. So that was great news. So they decided to excise the clips that they had Mm -hmm. placed during biopsy, and that's considered a lumpectomy. And um, so we did that. And then at the same time they did what they call a sentinel node biopsy, because your sentinel nodes are the closest axilla to your breast. So if the cancer, Starts to move outside of the breast, it will go to the sentinel nodes first. So those are the ones that they they take. Um, mm-hmm. And while I didn't have any tumors in my lymph nodes at that point, I had what they call ITCs, which are isolated tumor cells. And while those would typically be considered node negative for disease, my oncologist felt like after six months of straight chemo, the fact that there was anything in my lymph nodes made it yeah. node positive for disease. Um, additionally, my margins came back unclear. So 30 days later, we went in, did the mastectomy, took everything. Um, because of the lymph node involvement, that meant 30 rounds of radiation too. Um, and I felt like I had just truly world-class medical care, right? Like I really felt like I was in good hands throughout the whole thing. However, what I will say is as a community, I think we were woefully lacking in meaningful breast cancer specific supports. I struggled to find um, young survivor support. I struggled to find a support group. I found one yoga class on a Monday night um, for breast cancer, but they didn't have child care and I had a two-year-old. I called 17 hair salons and nobody would cut my human hair wig because they're thousands of dollars and they don't grow back. And if I didn't like it, that, you know, the salons felt that would have been a liability and- Um, And while I understand all that, it was just kind of like one hurdle after another. And during that time, I was still working full time, running a nonprofit, raising a two year old, um, doing all the things, keeping the plates. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, there was this sort of big elephant in the room of my life, which was cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started taking a journal with me when I would go to all my different treatments and I would journal about all the things I wished we had as a community, all the different supports and you know ways that we could lift and hold women on this journey that we, as a community, just weren't doing a great job of. Um, and this even preceded COVID, right? So uh, anything that you know may have been available in person that also went away
0: after oh, that.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that was a tough piece of this, honestly, to swallow. And I think what a lot of people may not understand is breast cancer traditionally is a really long journey. Mm. 75 plus percent of cases are what they call hormone receptor positive. And that means that the cancer feeds on either estrogen, progesterone or both. In my Mm -hmm. case, it was both. Right. And so then they put you into chemically induced menopause for five Mm -hmm. to 10 years. And that's like a light switch. You know, I don't imagine that menopause is easy for anybody, um, but normally you have this period over time where your body moves through the stages um, with chemically induced menopause, it's literally a light switch. It's like one day you are not in menopause and <laughs> the next yeah. day you are. welcome. <laughs> right. right? <And> all all <laughs> the challenges that come with that. And so you're looking at, you know, a year and a half or so of active treatment. If you're just, you know. Without a lot of extraneous challenges, and then, on top of that, potentially five to ten more years of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really long haul, and i'm not I'm not so sure that people know that if they haven't been through it or someone close to them hasn't been through it. So all yeah. the more need for community support because the duration of the journey is so long,
0: yeah. you know, I'm curious. how did that? I mean, there's so much. and this is a podcast where we talk about taking care of your body and, you know, working with your body. But I, there's always this chance that like something could surprise you, right? And here you are, I mean, you're preventive care, you're 40, you're like, hey, I should keep taking care of my body and then bam, get hit with this news. So I'm just, I am kind of curious, how did that impact your relationship with your body? Yeah,
1: so I don't know so much that it was the news that impacted it, but I think I did what many, many women do, right? So here I was exercising, always eating right, taking care of myself, um no genetic markers i did all the genetic testing we do have um some familial there was breast cancer um with my on my dad's side in a couple of instances and i came to learn that prostate is often considered the male version of breast mm. uh but i didn't come to know that until much later i, have, I didn't know that yeah because it's hormone driven so the medications mm. are similar and um there's a lot of prostate cancer on both sides of my family in fact my dad was diagnosed after I went through treatment, and one of the first questions they asked him was, "Is anyone in your family a breast cancer or a prostate?" Oh, cancer interesting. Right? So, you know, so there was that correlation. But when I did the the genetic workups, there was no, you know, no BRCA. And and the thing that we have to understand about genetics, though, too, is that they're discovering new markers every day. So, um, when I got tested five years ago, I was not positive for any of the genetic markers I was tested for, but. Again, that could change, should I go back and get tested again, right? Yes. Um, so there could be a genetic predisposition, but I think the one of the first things that women tend to do is go, what did I do to cause this, right? Like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? Um, totally. And we work really hard with our women at Pink Warehouse to try to get them to stay away from that because truly, you're never going to find that answer and it wouldn't make a difference anyway because you're already where you're at. Um, you know, that being said, if someone has strong lifestyle factors um, that would increase the likelihood of recurrence, we certainly encourage them to, you know, find a path to good nutrition and exercise and all of those things going forward. But you talk to a lot of our women and they're, you know, vegan marathon running women who really, for no reason, developed breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be very mentally challenging when you get stuck in that rabbit hole of what did I do wrong? How did I cause this? Why, why did I get this? Right. Yeah.
0: So how did you heal that? And how are you teaching other women to heal that and not go down that rabbit hole in the first place?
1: Sure. So I think, um, a little bit more about my background is I, um, have master's degrees in clinical counseling and art therapy. So I had some tools in my toolbox Mm -hmm. to kind of address some of these things, Um, I think for me, it really came to the things that you can control versus those that you can't, right? There's a lot on this cancer journey that is outside of our control. Um, and so we work hard too, with our women to help them feel empowered around the narratives with which they have the opportunity to dictate their story, right? Whether it Mm -hmm. comes to cutting off your hair before it falls out or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how much power you give cancer over your thoughts and feelings, right? And Mm -hmm. that's easier said than done. I mean, you know, it's like a roller coaster of emotions, sometimes all in one day, every day, you know, up Mm -hmm. one side and and down the other. So, um, but I think, you know, for a lot of women, because it caught them off guard, every time there's an ache or a pain or something feels off, the immediate thought is the cancer's back, the cancer's back, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I had to work really hard with the amount of time and energy and thoughts that I gave up to cancer was ultimately Mm my, right? And so just really trying to create that boundary of this is a part of my life. Uh, My life has been forever changed because of this journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And it will always be a part of my life because I get checked much more regularly than the average person. And I have side effects that'll be with me indefinitely. And you know, so, so getting rid of it or having it out of the purview of my life is not a realistic expectation. Um, but how much of the bandwidth of my thoughts and time and energy I give it on the daily is definitely up to me to decide. And so,
0: um,
1: I think regaining that sort of control over the narrative was really important.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you're, you're in the driver's seat, you're autonomous over your thoughts, but you know, and, and, you know, my background and like the women I work with, like so much of it is like reclaiming that authority of like my own thoughts. And I just would imagine this is like probably one of, one of, if not the most trying experience with that, because it so much is out of your control, but it almost sounds like you're saying, because it's out of your control that there's like some acceptance there. You put your hands up and kind of go, okay, this is not in my control. So I can control the bandwidth. I love that word of how much I give to this.
1: Well, and the other thing you have to understand is culturally, um, and I know you do understand, right? So (laughs) because of the work you do, um, but culturally, we put a lot of value in physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't tend to prioritize our mental health in the same way. And so when you're on this journey, there um, is like a guidebook for what you're supposed to do physically, right? Mm -hmm. Go to this Mm -hmm. appointment, take this medication, have this surgery, you know. Um, your blood work and your diagnostics will dictate where that path goes physically. What I was really saddened by is that I don't think the medical health field, um, and and maybe it's, again, not within their scope, but does enough to support the mental and emotional aspect of this journey because ha- you know, I, I know it's not just me. We've had more than, you know, we have more than 350 women currently at Pink Warrior House getting their support. Mm-hmm. And it's just a common theme sort of across the board is, you know, here was my guidebook for what to do physically, but there's no way that you go through the journey of cancer and you don't no. experience challenges <laughs> mentally and emotionally. With no, that, way. Right?
0: no way. It's no way. No.
1: Yeah. And that uh, was a huge piece of the motivation behind starting yeah. Pink Warrior House because Um, We really have to have compassion and grace and understanding for our mental and emotional health as
0: well. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about Pink Warrior House. Tell me a little bit about what it is and what you are doing. Yes. Okay. So,
1: um, my background obviously is in nonprofit. Um, I was with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for 10 years from 06 to 16, I ran another nonprofit for three and a half years after that. Um, In January of 2019, I'll never forget, it it was New Year's Day. And um, I woke up, our little guy had jumped in bed with us. And so it was my husband and and our son and I. And my husband looked at me and he said, okay, it's New Year's Day. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? And if you know my husband, that wouldn't surprise you because (laughs) he's, he's really good at big swings. And, uh, and he knew, I mean, he had been with me, he had seen the challenges, he had known mm-hmm. what was kind of percolating in my head, but, um, you know, it's scary. I had always brought home a paycheck with benefits. And so the idea of like diving into something totally unknown and then just wondering, am I the only one who feels this way? Right. Like, you know, what if we go to all these efforts to start this foundation and nobody else thinks it's necessary, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are the, you know, the, the doubts that the creep doubts, in. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, so it would have been much easier for me to stay on the path of the regular paycheck and still doing incredibly rewarding work in the community. But, um, but like I said, my husband knows me all too well. And so he got his laptop and he said, okay, what are we going to name it? Let's go. We're going to incorporate it right now. And, um, and so we did that and we sent off the paperwork, um, the next day. And so that was, you know, January 1st, 2019. And we spent the next 10 months Uh, working on our mission and our vision, putting together our board of directors, getting our 501c3 so we were a legitimate organization, finding our future home, right, doing all the things. And um, then, let's see, so that, it was about June, um, and I was doing Pink Warrior House nights and weekends and, you know, working at the other nonprofit Monday through Friday, you know, during the day and then... Juggling um, it all. And (laughs) Fighting cancer and going through radiation and, you know, doing all the things. And um, I realized that if Pink Warrior House had a chance to be what I envisioned it could be for our community, then I was probably going to have to give it 100%. So I put in my notice uh, in June at my other job Mm -hmm. and told them we were launching Pink Warrior House to the public October 1st. um, And I ended up staying on until September 30th, right? So there (laughs) there wasn't a lot of transition Mm -hmm. time. And then October 1st of 2019, we launched to the public. Uh, we had some really good media coverage, which was wonderful and helping to get the word out. Uh, we have some of the most incredible community partners. You can see if you follow us on social media or you go to our website. Um, and so that really kind of helped with the launch. And But we started with three programs, Jess. We had an all ages and stages, breast cancer specific support group. And- we had a battle buddy network where you could be paired up with a mentor. Um, and back then it was just a mentor. Like we didn't have enough of a bank of battle buddies to get you paired up with someone who maybe had the exact same, you know, diagnosis or the exact Mm -hmm. same treatment protocol where now we have a lot more um, opportunity to get you somebody who really has been through exactly what you've been through. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had warrior bags, which are these bags of love uh, that we would distribute through the cancer center. So we had a handful of warriors, we had three programs and we hit the ground running um, October 1st of 2019. So fast forward four years to our fifth October and uh we have well over 30 programs on the regular we have over 350 women right now that get their support so um I guess what that tells me is I definitely wasn't alone in my belief that we needed to do better (laughs) so yeah
0: totally it's totally just a
1: privilege to be a part of and I tell people really I just steer the ship at this point it is the way our women show up for each other every day and our practitioners who give so readily of their time and talents i mean that's what makes pink warrior house magical but
0: i'm i'm honored to be here so <laughs> wow i mean you're it is just so incredible and i think like going back to what you said about the thoughts and how you decided like i'm not going to give cancer the bandwidth anymore and like look what you did with that extra bandwidth <laughs> it's just incredible and it's not only I'm sure been rewarding to you and served you, but 350 women. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's a ton of women that. And that's
1: current, right? So you have to think wow. too, there's women that, um, move through our program and are ready to put cancer behind them. And, um, and in that way, we hope we never see them again because totally. we hope they, you know, never end up yeah. back on the journey. And then we have other women that, um, say, you know, this is the sisterhood I always long to be a part of. And, um, I just hate that I had to, you know, get cancer to be here, but these are lifelong friends and they'll be plugged in indefinitely. So, you know, there's a lot of different movement depending on where people are at and, um, and how they process their own stuff.
0: It's so incredible, Allison. It's so incredible. Now, how can people, if anyone listening is interested in either getting involved in Pink Warrior House, supporting Pink Warrior House, or maybe they need to get plugged into the community, how can they get connected with you guys?
1: Right, so um, our website is pinkwarriorhouse.org. You can fill out the contact form on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, My work cell is listed on our website. Anyone's welcome to reach out that way too. Um, Sometimes people drop messages through social media and we connect that way. Um, You know, all of the typical modern, (laughs) you know, outlets and paths to to reach us are there and available. Um, We get a lot of referrals from all all of the different cancer centers. You know, one of the things that I, um, that I love to hear, because I always ask people, you know, how did you find Pink Warrior House? And sometimes it's a referral from their cancer center or one of our amazing community partners, right? They, um, you know, went into Lily Barack and bought a necklace or they went to Flying Star Satellite and they were, you know, raising donations or, um, you know, Canteen and High and Dry and Steelbender. And ju- we just have so many incredible partners. And so um, sometimes it's that way. But one of the things that I love the most is when people will come to me and say, You know, I was sitting in the waiting room at radiation and the women were just talking and talking about Pink Warrior House and how wonderful it was and how I had to reach out. And so um, I think those referrals from our warriors are the most meaningful because they truly find ownership and investment in this community. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, one of the reasons we have more than 30 programs now is a lot of our warriors have gone back. Um, and found a skill set that they believe could contribute to the community and mm. come back and contribute. Right? Like so what you have... did. Right. So <laughs> We've gone on to become Reiki masters or get certified in mindful meditation or nutrition, and then come back and serve the other women in the same way that they were served. So mm. um, it's just really beautiful to see the organic growth in that way.
0: That's so incredible. Now, are all of these women in New Mexico? Yes. The, the
1: vast majority. Um, we have connected with women outside of New Mexico. They're typically a loved one or friend of one of our existing warriors, right? Like my sister has been diagnosed and she lives in Colorado or that Mm -hmm. kind of thing where they started with us and they moved. We have uh, warriors as far as France because we had one who started in Santa Fe and moved to France. Um, you know, we uh, recently supported a woman in uh, Puerto Rico, um, you know, through another connection of Pink Warrior House. So we do sometimes send warrior bags or, um, you know, one of the benefits I think of COVID, I'm always looking for the silver linings. And for us, it was that we established robust virtual programming. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Even when we came back in person, we still kept those virtual supports. That's awesome. Um, so it does mean that people can plug in from wherever, but that being said, yes, 95 plus percent of our warriors are right here in New Mexico. Um, you know, the vast majority I would say are in Albuquerque, but we have warriors, oh my gosh, um, in Gallup and Grants and Taos and Santa Fe and Española and Clovis mm-hmm. and bruces and, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not in Socorro and Las Lunas and Berlin. And, you know, so it's not just Albuquerque, certainly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's great because yeah, it's all over the state, but you've started to spider out into the rest of not just the country, but the world. I mean, <laughs> I imagine knowing you, that's probably the direction it might go. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> um, now I do want to ask one more question because it is breast cancer awareness month for anyone listening, you know, that doesn't know what a breast self-exam is, what is it and how often should we do it?
1: Right. So, um, early diagnostics are so important. I truly cannot stress that enough. Um, so go and get your mammograms. Uh, unfortunately, if you are under 40 and you don't have either the genetic markers that you've been tested for or an immediate familial connection, i.e. like a mom or a sister, you won't, chances are insurance won't cover a mammogram prior to the age of
0: 40. Right. So I, yeah, I want to ask you a question on this. Cause so I actually got my first mammogram this year. Um, Oh, good. And I'm not 40 yet, but I got it because I complained of pain. So just because I complained of pain, they said, "Well, let's check it out." And they did mammogram and ultrasound and covered it.
1: That is amazing that you were able to get that done, Jess. And I'm so glad. Unfortunately, that's not the story for all. Is that not the story? No, oftentimes they'll know something's wrong, but it'll be well. You're too young for cancer. We'll just watch and wait, and um, and then the diagnoses can come later stage. By the time they actually do get. Them. I wonder so-
0: what the difference was because I do know I've I have a I have family history of breast cancer, so I am nervous, but not immediate though. And right. I'm also just an anxious personality, so I tend yeah. to you know want to know about that kind of stuff. But I I had been asking physicians, and this was the first one that heard me out. So I'm curious. I'm like, now I want to know what was the difference? Cause if that's not the story, I wonder. Well, and, and what you just said there is a big part
1: of it, right? You were asking multiple physicians. And so, um, you were advocating for yourself and continued to push until you were able to get some results. Not everybody is programmed that way. Right. So often in our culture, we come up with, you go to the doctor and they tell you something and you follow it because they're the doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. um, and so a lot of it depends on that referring physician and your insurance coverage. I mean, there's so many components, mm-hmm. but that's where I think self-checking is super important. Um, going in for your annual visits for your physicals, going in for your, you know, um, annual exam with your gynecologist, right? Because they'll do a self-check on you and um, and then self-checking monthly. I really, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. We have a lot of women that found their own lumps or, um, or their partner or loved one found, you know, in an intimate situation, found their lump or, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so there's a lot of cases where, you know, they're discovered sooner because, uh, people have familiarity with their own body. And I think that that's mm-hmm. really important. Um, one of the sites I think I would drive you to is the national breast cancer foundation has a really great breakdown of how to self-check and they actually break it down to, How to self check in the shower or standing in front of your mirror or laying down and, um, you know, using the flat part of your three middle fingers and pressing first gently and then more moderately and then firmly and, and just really familiarizing yourself with your whole breast area and also under your armpits because uh, that's where your axilla are and if breast cancer were to develop deep in your breast and you couldn't feel it and it started to travel that's where it would travel to so mm-hmm. um, including your your axilla is really important in that self-checking
0: as well that's so so important okay I will link that so I will link all of your pink Warrior House <laughs> contact Instagram everything everywhere I can find you will be linked in the show notes but I'll also link that um, you said National Breast Cancer Foundation correct yeah. right and
1: I'll- I can text you the link. Um, okay, it's that'd just, be awesome. you know, there's a lot of really good ones out there. If you go searching, you can find it. But I just like theirs because, um, you know, maybe you're not someone who wants to check in the shower. Maybe you prefer lying down. Maybe, you know, right. being in front of camera helps you because you can see what you're doing. So I really like that they kind of break it down into steps with multiple options.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that would be great. So we can link it just for anyone listening that wants to, I mean, that's part of this, right? Is the awareness and self-advocacy. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, Allison, thank you so much. Thank you so much for not only coming on the show, but like I said, making time in October. I know this is a precious month for you and it's your birthday month. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> Ooh. So Jess, do we have a minute where I could talk a little bit about our programs and services? I don't know. Absolutely. Time- yep. Go ahead. Yep. Tell us okay. more.
1: Okay, great. So um, I just think it's really important that everyone knows that all of the services that come from Pink Warrior House are completely free of charge to anyone on this journey. Um, It's written in our mission that we support those battling and their caregivers. So we have pretty robust um, programming for caregivers as well, because it is also a journey for them. Uh, They're also welcome at all of our our groups and classes and workshops. Um, We have everything from we have a multitude of support groups. So we have our all ages and stages group that meets. Uh, Three times a month, twice virtually, once in person. We have a metastatic group. We have a fitness and nutrition group. We have the only young survivor group in the state, and that's a collaboration with Loveless and the Young Survivor Coalition. Um, We have a caregiver group. We do art therapy. We have a Spanish-speaking in-person group for our Spanish-speaking friends here in New Mexico. Uh, We offer individual counseling services. We have our wig program, and our wig program has a stylist on hand that will cut and style your wig for you. Um, we'll wash and restyle it throughout your journey. We'll shave your head if you don't want to walk into a local salon. Um, we started our beautiful warrior program after things like the look good, feel better program had gone away when American cancer had really, um, you know, honed their focus in on research and education, which are huge and important factors, but some of that direct uh, programming went away. So we tried to fill some of those voids as well. We do a lot with nutrition. We have an intentional movement program. So we have yoga and meditation and Pilates. And uh, we even have professional dance classes that come at no cost. um, Once a month, we have Reiki, we have massage, we have our battle buddy network, we do our warrior bags. And again, it's 100% free. So there really is a little bit of something for everyone. And then because our women, you know, really love each other, uh, we do some social things every month too. So Uh, like Kelly Jo from Kelly Jo's Design by Wine. She comes three or four times a year and does guided painting classes. And, um, you know, so there's just kind of always something going on. And you can find that information at our website at pinkwarriorhouse.org. Or if you're looking for individual services like massage, reiki wigs, you would just call call us directly and make an appointment. But, you know, just kind of wanted people to know the scope of our programming, because I think that that's really important as well.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, so much going on. Again, this is why I'm like, I cannot believe you fit me in because not only are you (laughs) doing all that this month, you're you're promoting and fundraising and really connecting with our community. So, um, yeah, wow, (laughs) that's incredible.
1: I appreciate you you bringing up the fundraising piece too because, um, you know, as I indicated, all of our services are free of charge, but they come at a cost. right? (laughs) We, we have to raise those monies, and so. Uh, we have 50 events in, you know, throughout this month in October. So uh, mm-hmm. we raise about half our budget for the year in the month of October, but we, you know, we're always fundraising. So if anyone, you know, feels generous in their heart and wants to support, please know it's a direct line to the women in this community that are battling breast cancer. So, you know, every donation goes right into programs and um, it's just a really clean trajectory. So,
0: no, I think that's so cool. And can they give online? Can that be? Yeah. Okay. Right. On
1: that's the website. great. Yeah, That's awesome. Right. So we that will
0: definitely work. There's a big banner
1: right on the homepage that says donate now.
0: <laughs> that sounds great. We'll make sure all of that is available to folks so they can connect with you. Um, yeah, it's incredible work you're doing Allison, And I just, I know you feel it. And I know you say you just drive the ship, but you st- you also built the ship, which is really cool. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm honored to know you and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Oh, Jess, I'm honored to know you too. Thank you so much for having us on and for
1: highlighting Pink Warrior House. And um, I just appreciate you so much.
0: Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews, and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at JessBrownRD.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.